0: This week on Happy, Sad, Confused, Lily Collins on ruling all of media with two films, a TV series, and a book. And then there's little old me. I'm Josh Horowitz, just the host of a little podcast. You
1: have no business being with her.
0: Seriously, she just totally outmatched me, outgunned me. Yeah,
1: in everything. <sighs> In co- ke- having cool parents, I don't know why and- <laughs> I keep
0: bringing people on that just yeah. are more accomplished than me. The bar is obviously very low, but still. Um, this is a good one. She's a good one. Lily Collins is a good one. She's a good egg, as they say. Do they still say that?
1: Yeah, they do. Okay. We'll bring it
0: back. Okay, we're going to bring it back. Um, she's got a lot to talk about, and we cover it all in this week's show. By the way, that's Sammy. In case you haven't listened to the Hi. podcast before, that's not my alternative it's me, personality. Lily oh, don't. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> not how she sounds. <laughs> that's not. Um, so we have just returned from the Fourth of July Yeah, you break. still have
1: you still have hot dog hot dog remnants all over that's your just, face. That's just that's that's yeah. the
0: re- usual way ra- way I roll though. <laughs> it's just breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I got. Did you see any fireworks?
1: No, they used to be on the West Side, and right. now they move into the East Side.
0: Right, and you're a West Side. And I'm a West
1: Side girl, so I didn't right. see any. Right. I watched them on TV. You can ask me. Hey, did you see any fireworks?
0: Totally natural. I did actually, Sammy. Really? Well, Where? I, I, was, I was flying. I was in the air. Where were you flying I was from? hurtling through space and time to return for this podcast intro. Where were you? I was visiting um, some family and friends in the D.C., Virginia area. And you flew? We flew back from Dulles. We decided it was actually cheaper than a train.
1: Well, yeah. I was going to make fun of you, but sometimes it was. that Amtrak, especially on a holiday weekend.
0: We trained it out. We trained it out.
1: And And, then you flew back. And
0: by the way, whoever was on my train that that noticed me, I saw your tweet.
1: And did you just – not respond to it? I don't, or? Know. I don't
0: know what to do in that circumstance. Oh,
1: So he saw it, but he purposefully didn't <laughs> respond but to look, it. Look, if
0: they enjoy my work, they're probably listening to this podcast. So now I want to clear the air and just say, um, I didn't know what to do in that situation mm-hmm. because I didn't know. Like, were you behind me, in front of me, next to me? I don't know. I don't want to make a whole thing of it. But I acknowledge your uh, appreciation of my work and I appreciate it.
1: And – I do too. Thank you.
0: So much. <laughs> anyway, I saw some fireworks from up above, which was a cool vantage point to see.
1: I feel like that's something that would scare you. Oh, I was just gonna get to the second part. <laughs> yeah.
0: the real part of it it's was like, I was terrified. <laughs>
1: that's not something you, I could see no, you being comfortable seriously. with. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. what
0: the fuck? You're like descending into JFK, and like there're fireworks mm-hmm. on all sides of you. Yeah, they
1: definitely never checked out to make sure it was safe. They definitely were like, "Let's just try it. Well, I'm we're gonna, gonna be fine. I don't think
0: these were all legal fireworks. I think these were rogue right. fireworks. Yeah, the Macy's.
1: Day Parade does rogue
0: fireworks. It wasn't Macy's. I'm telling you. I know <laughs> I know, a, a authentic firework when I see one, and these weren't.
1: Well, listen. You made it. You're here.
0: I know. I live on the edge. Barely. You're,
1: I can see you're still very worked
0: up. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a tough night, but I survived. We both survived the holiday weekend. And God,
1: Lily needed you.
0: Lily. Well, we had already taped Lily, so she really didn't. We would yeah, have, but there would have been have no this, intro. This, this, <laughs> someone, <laughs> I'm sure someone would have come on and been like, in memoriam, here's the last podcast. This is podcast. his last
1: podcast <laughs> ever. <laughs>
0: Um, but that's not the case. This is a conversation with Lily Collins that is uh, delightful. She is starring in many things right now. She's in uh, a very cool film called Okja, which is on Netflix right now.
1: Very. That, I'm going to watch it tonight. You I should. Think. De- you
0: should definitely yeah. watch. Tell me what you think. Uh, it's uh, from Boon jong Ho. I think. I'm, ho- hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correct. He did Snowpiercer a couple years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I love Snowpiercer. Did you really? Yes. You
0: are filled with surprises. Tilda Swinton
1: in Snowpiercer is, is one of my favorite. Performances ever. Well,
0: you'll love her in this one. She's yes. a, she's in Okja as well. Wait. Jake Gyllenhaal also doing some crazy shit in this one. I love one. it. And uh, Lily is kind of like a um, a kind of a resistance fighter in this. Uh, it's kind of a I don't. know, This is a hard one to describe. I'll be honest, <laughs> but it's a, it's a it's a young girl with like a genetically created hippo pig thing that they want to like use for meat. But she's on the run and it, it's crazy. It's it's very odd, but it's very cool. So check it out. It's free if you have Netflix. So just do that. Uh, also on Netflix, a much different kind of performance, a uh, di- much different kind of film we talk about in this episode is To the Bone, which is a film, uh, you know, pretty serious subject matter. It deals with, with eating disorders. And uh, Lily talks about the fact that this is a film, very, very few films, I can't think of like virtually any off the top of my head, that have dealt with a subject matter like this uh, in a relatively mainstream way. It stars Lily, Keanu Reeves, Reeves is in it. Um, it's from Marty Knox, uh, who is a, a well-known, most well-known as a writer. She wrote on Buffy way back when, and it's a subject that's very personal to Lily's heart. She talks about her own uh, issues with eating disorders in the past, and she actually talks about how she confronted some of that in her recent book, which is also wow. out there right now. Unfiltered is her book that came out a few months back. We talked about that. Oh my God. She's shilling so much. There's so much. There's so, sure. and I'm, I'm not even done. There's also uh, a, a, a TV series called The Last Tycoon on Amazon. That's her and uh, Matt Bomer, another a friend of the show. We
1: love Matt we Bomer. We love our Matt
0: Bomer. So anyway, a lot to check out with Lily Collins and uh, her first time on the podcast, surprisingly. She's somebody that um, we've talked to many times over the years in my uh, travels here at MTV and it was great but to She's never been her. on
1: the podcast before. It's
0: actually been a couple years since I talked to her, period. That's so surprising. it So it was a fun catch-up. This is a nice – Since po- the
1: Snow White movie. Yeah,
0: Mirror, Mirror. Yeah. Mirror, Mirror. Yeah, yeah I visited the set of that one. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you don't know, not that uh, it's it's that important, but it comes up in the podcast. Yes, her dad is, was, always will be –
1: Phil Collins! The one and only Phil Collins. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Insert your <laughs> Phil Collins joke here.
1: Uh, yeah, because just, you know, Josh wanted to say that uh, mm-hmm. in the intro he wanted to say that we had Lily Collins. She was in, in the Stoo the...
0: Stoo Studio.
1: See, you're not as proud of it now that the mics run in our field. well I had a test very... I had
0: a test run before we were on mic and it didn't sound good coming out of my mouth and no then,
1: but I'm happy you did it now
0: Lily I hope you're not listening to this
1: Lily don't, I certainly hope never you're not watching it
0: because <laughs> I don't know why you would watch a podcast
1: <laughs> one day anyway all right
0: we did on, it on to happier uh things uh enjoy this conversation with Lily Collins and watch all 17 of her TV shows and, read movies, them. and, yeah. and yeah and read her book she's super smart
1: yeah and then listen to her dad afterwards. <laughs> <What are you laughs> just doing? have a whole you know Collins what? day.
0: Turn on a little Phil. Yeah. Watch a little Hook. He's great in Hook. Oh, yeah, he is. And then get into the uh, the Lily Collins Uber.
1: And congratulations. You just had a perfect day. Yeah. And you yeah.
0: survived the fireworks just like us. All right. See you next July 4th <laughs> if we make it.
1: <laughs> We're, we'll be dead.
0: <sighs> Here's Lily. There's no official introduction, Lily, Amazing, but you're here in I'm my sure. little weird podcast studio. Uh, it's so good to see you. It's so
2: good to see you, too. It's, this is awesome. This is like a legit thing you know, I've, that you've I've, got going on. I've grown up.
0: Um, <laughs> we have professional producers and microphones and headphones. It's, it's kind of real. I don't want to intimidate you.
2: I'm a little intimidated. I took my shoes off because I wanted to feel more comfortable.
0: <laughs> you, um, I hope you're comfortable because been, you've been traveling the world. You were yeah. in... Uh, Shanghai. I was like two,
2: three days ago. It was. It's been crazy. I think I've been up in the air more than I've been on the ground. But um, did you have a second there at least? Well, I was in Barcelona for a week doing some um, shoots for Lancome. Yeah, and then. We went to Shanghai for yeah, they, about they, they two days. They
0: couldn't get in touch with me. I was busy. It's, uh, it's all good. I know you're the time, backup. Yeah. Next time, next
2: time, we're gonna do a duo <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. And then I went to Shanghai for a really special, cool Lancome event and uh, to open a store there. And I had one day of free time, so of course I went to Shanghai Disneyland. So tell me because, everything.
0: What's Shanghai Disneyland like? Oh,
2: well, they opened it a year ago, uh-huh. and I didn't even know it existed there. But it's it's fun. It, I mean, it's it's Disneyland. So what can you not love about it?
0: Is there anything? Does it feel like you? might – might as well just be, it can't feel like no, you're just in it, California. It feels,
2: no, it feels different. I mean, there's only a certain amount of rides, and I have to say, though, that the Pirates of the Caribbean ride there is pretty epic.
0: But no no Johnny Depp showing up uh, in character. No, did you see Johnny how he did Depp that? Johnny
2: Depp showing up in character. I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. Although the characters in the ride look very realistic. Right. Mm, still wasn't the real still deal. Still not the real deal. Unfortunately.
0: Uh, but you have a, a ton going on, and I was just saying, it's kind of surprising we haven't talked for a second because yeah. especially in this moment, uh, let's see, I think you've got Two films, a TV show, and a book. We should yeah. still probably talk about. So uh, I guess that's a good thing when doing publicity. You kind of just kill a few birds with one stone. Yeah,
2: it's it's definitely something that I've never um, had happen before, where you shoot things back to back, and then they come out back to back. Like right. usually something happens, and a year and a half later, it finally shows light of day, or it um you know comes up at a festival ages down the line. But it's exciting, and also it's. Ironic, because two of the things are both Netflix, yeah. and then one's Amazon. <laughs>
0: You're the so queen of streaming right and now. And then <laughs> my
2: book is on Amazon, so I'm like, wait, this is kind of uh, this is kind of funny. It's all cross promotional. Um, it's exciting though.
0: When you look back, because it's funny. Like I always enjoy talking to people that like kind of your career has dovetailed in terms of like your growth as an actor. Like I came to MTV about ten years ago. Already. And, I, isn't that crazy? Oh my God! Insane. That's uh, crazy. Um, and I feel like I've been talking to you since you kind of got into this. I don't know if we ever spoke for Blindside, but certainly um, Mirror Mirror and Moral Instruments, et cetera. And it's always fun to, for me, just to, like to see an actor's growth and sort of the choices they they make or choices they don't make yeah, or whatever. Right. Um, so I, mean, I just give me a sense. I guess I don't know. I mean, do you take stock often in terms of like where you're at? In terms of like, do you set goals or is that fruitless? Do you find or, um, or what?
2: I think I've always been a very passionate driven person from the age of like 5 um but then from high school I always knew kind of what I wanted to be doing but I didn't ever have like by this age I have to have this done by right. th-. and I I never would have said by 27 now I'm 28 but at 27 I'm going to have a book published you know so it's not I kind of I kind of go with where the passion is sure. and um I have accomplished more than I probably thought I would have at a certain age. But I think that that's a, a, that's, that's cool. Not, as opposed to, like, saying, I wish I could have done more because yeah. I had said in high school, this is my bucket list, you know. Um, but I think when it comes to, to filming projects, I just like to keep surprising myself in terms of what kind of movies I choose or what opportunities come my way or things that I really wanted that don't happen. You know, that's also part of the journey. It's like... Wait, this is where I'm supposed to be, and then it doesn't happen, and you realize, oh, okay, well, everything happens for a reason. Because if I had gotten this project, then right. this wouldn't have happened. Or, you, I think I've kind of developed that mentality from the get-go because it's a way more positive way of thinking as well. Like, yeah,
0: you would drive yourself insane. You
2: drive yourself crazy, yeah. especially in this business when things change at the drop of a hat. So, um, it's not fruitless to have kind of to have goals in any way. I mean, I'm a very goal-oriented person, but I also have learned to kind of Go with the flow, and it's so fickle that yeah. you just, yeah.
0: Well, you're in an industry that's notoriously just out of even like you know, you talk maybe to the top two percent actors that that have the luxury of like they can do any role they want, yeah. but like literally ninety nine point nine percent of every other actor is frankly just a happy to be working, right? Exactly. Be happy to have like maybe any choice, yeah. Um, so it, it's got to be. It's got to be interesting where, like, how much control can you actually exert on your own career?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely at a point now where I know what kind of projects I like to do, and I've never been someone that wants to work just to work. Sure. Um, I I, I love working, but if there's not a project going or that I'm – Pursuing that is something that I really believe in. I will find something else to do, like writing a book. book. Like, (laughs) like seriously, that stemmed from I've always loved journalism, but the the like the thing that kicked my butt into like actually doing it was the fact that I had done Warren's movie Rules Don't Apply, and then for like a year, a year and a half, I didn't film. I wasn't not for lack of auditioning. I just nothing was really happening that i thought was where i wanted to be headed sure and i thought oh well i'm getting stir crazy because i'm a very driven person and i'm like okay i've had enough of a break now what can i do to fill my time so it's like wait i've always uh loved journalism so like let's write a book and then the second that i got the book deal that ironically was when i booked these three things that are coming out back-to-back. Back. It was the pilot for The Last Tycoon, right. which bled straight into the to the bone, which then, like, two weeks later went to Okja. And then, weirdly enough, now all three are coming out at the same time. So it's like one of those... You know, the world just saying, okay, well, you want it to work. Now make it happen.
0: Were you writing during production? Yeah. Oh, God. Is yeah. That, is that so good for you or bad? Actually, for, for me, I like to juggle things, uh, like a lot of things at once. Like yeah. I, I, I almost have trouble focusing on one totally. thing. How are I, you? It,
2: it, was, it was an interesting thing because I my in my brain, I thought, great, I've got a book deal. I'm going to be like Carrie Bradshaw. I'm going to move to New York, stay in an apartment in the winter, and I'm going to write my book. And then booking all these things back to back – I was told, look, you don't have to write the book. You can push your deadlines. And I Mm-mm, no, there's something telling me that this is the right time. And I don't want to, if not now, when? Right. And so I ended up writing on a lot of the sets or in my trailer or in different countries. And that was probably, it was definitely the hardest thing I had done so far, being isolated and basically going over to South Korea Alone for Okja, writing the end of my book, it was, you know, you're playing these characters and then you're, at least for me, writing a book about myself. So it's very therapeutic, but also very hard to be writing about these things. But I think – and my last chapter is actually – it's titled Soul Searching. So it's about my experience writing in soul. But I think because it was such an emotional experience being there alone and being kind of forced to face these issues I talk about – I was so in a different emotional place than I would have been had I been with my friends in L.A. having a great time. Like it wouldn't have pushed me to those emotional depths that I was in to write the book. So I think it was 100 percent meant to happen that way. Um, But it was so hard. I mean, the dedication and like all I wanted to do was go have fun and explore. And I'm like, oh my God, I have my deadline, my the time difference, I've got this chapter to get in, and you're like trying to make it all happen. But then I kept thinking, okay, at the end of the day, when you can say and you've turned it all in that you wrote it a hundred percent yourself and that you actually did it all at one time, it's going to feel so good.
0: Oh, my God. I have the utmost respect for anybody that's able to follow <laughs> through on that. I mean, I did, like, I did the, the easiest book imaginable. I did, like, literally a book of interviews, like, transcripts and some introductions and stuff. And oh, Even that, I was, like, when I got the galley and I got the, oh, the yeah. cover. and it, Like, more satisfying almost than anything else I've totally. ever done. And I'm sure the same for you. Yeah.
2: Oh, when you, like, actually held it in my editor, like, FaceTime me, she's like, it's turned in. <laughs> and it was just this amazing... Opportunity to kind of say, wow, I pushed myself past what I thought I was capable of. And what was actually amazing was that because Oak just shot in South Korea, Vancouver, and New York, during the New York portion was when my deadline was. So I was in New York at the hotel, which ironically was like two blocks away from HarperCollins. So every day before work, I would walk to the offices, my editor, gave me her office to sit in and finish writing the book, I was there with the layout department. I actually could be a part of the whole end process and turn it in and leave New York to go to Vancouver to finish the movie, having completely finished it. And it was this cool experience. I don't think a lot of authors get to be in the publishing house turning it in like that. So it was kind of a really cool office job for the summer. <laughs> you know what was funny is that some of the um the people in the office actually they kept seeing this young kid, I look like a young kid, uh walking in with like their sneakers and their backpack and going to the um, the kitchen, and I would, like, have my tea or my lunch or something. And they would tell my editor, oh, have you seen the new intern? And one of them <laughs> said, have you seen the new intern? She's got great eyebrows. And <laughs> my editor was like, oh, that's uh, really ironic. Do you have any idea? And they, like, burst out laughing because they had no idea that it was me.
0: So you were – I mean, and I, I know from talking to you in the past that, uh, that you – and you mentioned it yourself. You know, journalism was something that was important to you. Maybe it was even something you wanted to seriously pursue. I mean, you, you clearly made – Uh, a go of it and Mm -hmm. probably like juggling interest also at the same time as acting like did they come at the same time in terms of interest when you were Uh, a kid or was it like did one evolve into another acting
2: was always my the forefront of what I wanted to do but um, I've also always loved uh, literature and just writing in general in school and when I was auditioning or beginning to audition at like 16 17 years old um, I was getting told no you know I was still really green And um, I wanted to find a different avenue to explore everything from being in front of the camera to knowing your angles to the editing process to writing. So um, that's where kind of the broadcast side came into play. But I had started writing for magazines before auditioning um, just to get experience writing. So they kind of were happening at the same time. Which was great, but then at the same time, there came a point when I was, like, hosting the orange carpet for Nickelodeon and interviewing people I wanted to work with right. as an actor. And then realizing that kids or the younger audience are only going to believe me as a character to a certain extent if they know me as Lily totally. really, really well. So it was it was an interesting kind of um, crossroads that I had to really then focus on one But then, look, I get to be acting and then I wrote a book. So it's – I never have to close a door. Totally. Which is a really cool opportunity.
0: And how much of your childhood was splitting time between the States and and the U.K.? You spend most of your time in L.A.? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I
2: moved – I think I moved just before I turned six. And I would go back every summer for two or three months, um, go back for Christmases. But I went to school, lived in L.A. And, um, you know, I still go back for Christmases and we have a house there. And I do feel – extremely European, even though I sound very L.A. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was the environment yeah. in, in which you lived, I mean, uh, I would assume, I mean, you went to Harvard-Westlake, I think, I which like has, you know, the a lot of the people who go there probably have famous parents, I right. would think. So yeah. does that lessen kind of like the stigma or the feeling of like, oh, yeah. I've got a weird thing, like everybody's got oh, a, I mean, a crazy no, weird you family? You
2: what's ironic is um, I just had my 10-year high school reunion like a couple weeks ago, which was so bizarre. Um but I'm still finding out whose parents I actually <laughs> went to school with their kids. I because no one asked questions, like no one right. really cared, and so I had no idea. Now being in the industry to the extent that I am, finding out that all these studio heads' kids were actually in my grade, I'm like, wait, that's your son or that's your daughter? <laughs> I had no idea that you I, was going to yeah, you I was
0: could like, have been networking at ten. I was like,
2: oh my god! Um, but it's actually funny because we no one really, you know, everyone was was there just going to school and it didn't it wasn't it didn't really register at the time at least for me it wasn't really a topic of conversation so now it's funny just being able to go into someone's office and see a photo on their desk and i'm like is do you know them? Wait, that, Bobby. that? Yeah, that's my daughter. <laughs> like, oh my god, we went to school together.
0: And, and when did I mean? Is there a discernible time you can pinpoint when you kind of realized what your dad's career was meaning to people outside of your family and friends that it this was not the norm? Like, I think
2: I was actually ironically at Disneyland um, <laughs> when I was probably like twelve or something, and I remember just going for the day to have you know going to Disneyland and. Um, people coming up and asking for photos and, like, ironically wearing, like, a Genesis t-shirt and asking to take photos, and I didn't understand, and I was like, but we're at Disneyland. Like, what, I don't, you know, why are they coming up? And I then realized that it didn't matter where we were, it was, he was who he was to other people for, you know, a different reason other than being dad. Yeah. And so I quickly, I quickly realized, but also it was just, he was always just dad, you know, so... um, it's it's great to kind of have the best of both in a way because I got to grow up just knowing him as dad, but then also really respecting him as the performer.
0: Do you have a different relationship with um, like a, a great film like Hook or Miami Vice than I do? Uh, it's so Are funny. Well, it, Hook, and,
2: I was on the set of when what? I was two. Apparently, I was, I was yeah. in the math.
0: I was like, she couldn't have been around.
2: Yeah, no, I was I was very little, but I but I remember we, we I was on the set for that and. Um, Miami Vice is hilarious because my mom's actually in the episodes with my dad. Oh, my man. mom plays, I think, his girlfriend in those. <laughs> so whenever I've seen them, it's just my mom is, is not an actress. Uh, she's not in the industry at all. And she kind of cringes when she sees her episodes. <laughs> but I love it. I think it's so fabulous because the outfits are everything. Of course. And the hair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I recently had to do. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was thinking the carpet for uh, the Baywatch movie in Miami. Oh my God! Amazing. A- and the uh, wardrobe called for uh, literally, it was a uh, cocaine chic, was what I was told. What? We had to, so I literally was like.
2: What does it even mean? It was like
0: white suit. Like, it was anti-Josh Horowitz. It was like, I burned that, that outfit amazing. as soon as I was done. Oh, my
2: God. Well, that'll be the day when someone puts on their wedding invitation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what is the dress attire? <laughs> Cocaine, Cocaine chic. Cocaine cheek.
0: <laughs> um, so, so jumping ahead, we t- so we talked sort of about, you know, like doing the uh journalism hosting carpets and things like that. And then, I mean, Blindside was the first film, mm-hmm. right? Which is a yeah, crazy, I Yeah, it was crazy. I did,
2: um... I did two episodes of the new version of 90210. oh right. And on my last day of shooting that, the final episode, I was in my trailer and I found out that I had gotten the blind side. And it was a week after my... 18th birthday I think or 19th birthday and um, I don't think I even realized that it was Sandra Bullock and it was I I auditioned for it once and it was just this whirlwind I said well you're leaving next week and this is what's going to happen and this is the movie and you're going to move to Atlanta and it wasn't like we set out to make a movie that we knew was going to be what it was it was just an amazing story to be told about a real family who were there on set and it just turned into what it turned into, and it was – everyone said to me, this is not normal for your first movie. Don't get used to this. And I was like, okay. And I was in school. I was at USC at the time. Right. So I was FaceTiming or uh, Skyping with teachers and writing essays on set, and I flew back and forth for finals. It was hard. It was not <laughs> fun. That was like all I wanted to do was not be in my trailer writing a paper. I wanted to be exploring, sure. you know.
0: And, and 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 coming out of that because there was like the whole award circuit on that and then did you find that like suddenly you were getting interesting opportunities or did you feel like no, you
2: were – No, not at that point. I, I was – I think the award circuit was exciting because I was a part of something great. Yeah. But for me, I was still in school. I was still – you know, it was my first movie. So I I mean I'm still auditioning for things. You know, I mean it's like you're still kind of trying to prove – um, different sides of yourself in the acting world. And so at that point I was just so excited to be a part of something. Um, but I mean, yes, I was getting new opportunities in terms of like new meetings and new sure. interest in that, in that sense, but it was still very much the beginning, which I kind of love. I love the idea of working your way up because then you would appreciate once you're there so much more. Sure. Um, but it it was a wild a wild experience. Did, it was fun. Did
0: you feel like there that, that, like at that point you were like I'm I'm you know this one part away from whatever it is that I'm trying to get to? Like did you feel were there those parts that at the time felt like oh this is gonna change everything? Mirror, mirror, mirror. I'll mirror. never.
2: F- I was actually with uh, Carrie and my mom. Um, I was um, I just gotten off the plane to go do. WonderCon or Comic Con for Priest.
0: Yeah. I saw you at WonderCon you that did. day. Yeah, you
2: did. And and uh, that I think that was like literally the first time you and I had met. Yeah. And I got off the plane and got to my hotel and got this phone call. It was April 1st. It was April Fool's Day. And I got this call saying that you'd got it. And I literally had auditioned like the day before and it was the quickest process and i remember i broke down in tears and i was laughing because at at one point i was like you're joking it's april fool's day i'm gonna fire all of you if if this is a lie and also oh my god this feels really special and that was the moment that i thought something for lack of better words magical is happening here yeah and um That experience was just it was. It was so wonderful, but it really was kind of a turning point for me.
0: It was uh, and I got to visit you guys, you and Army and Tarsum on the set. And it was it was a very unique. I mean, anyone that's seen the film knows just like what Tarsum does. It's insane. Um and like yeah, I I look back on that, I don't know how you look back on it, I'm like almost like, how was that movie made? It was just so bizarre and out there.
2: And the sets were just vast. I mean, you remember walking through the like snowy hills, like a massive Warehouse that they transformed with horses and the costumes, everything about that was so beyond epic scale that it's they don't, they, I mean, they get made like that now, but still, like, of that caliber yes. and that quality, it's very rare.
0: So, h- how do you look back on that experience in retrospect? I mean, um, a, a unique filmmaker, I think it, it did pretty well box office yeah, wise, yeah. yeah. It right? was,
2: and, and it's in it, you know, it's very stylized and it's very Tarsem and it was very fun and family-oriented and what you want to get from a movie that's about a fairy tale. Um, and so I, I mean, I grew up a lot during that movie. I think I was, um, I was, you know, stunts and sword fighting and this and that. I mean, it was, it was really fun to be alone in Montreal for the summer shooting that movie. And it, it did it opened it opened doors, but it also really, I got to have fun and play around with the character In a way that I, it was only my, it was my fourth film, um, but it was definitely the biggest. Experience I'd had to date,
0: and, and it should be said. I mean, you were the lead in like a big right? <laughs> it was studio like pretty film, we, and like you're it, playing a
2: character that everyone knows, iconic character. Yeah. So
0: there's, you're checking off a lot of boxes, and yeah. to, there must be a self confidence or something like, okay, I can, I can survive, I can satisfy yeah. myself and others, and, and yeah, and, and
2: being and playing opposite, you know, Julia Roberts and Army Hammer and Nathan Lane and just amazing other people that were, you know just so supportive and I just was soaking in every moment as like teach me
0: totally yeah so um mortal instruments yes Obviously, I, I
2: was gonna say that set I remember our visit Yeah. I remember the day you came for the party sequence with yep. Magnus and I, I I'll <laughs> never forget because it was so late it was you late. Were there all day <laughs> and we were all in our party outfits and it was like in that room upstairs and we were you were interviewing us and it was just madness outside with like Elf ears, and like it was like the <laughs> weirdest, like it was the weirdest set for you to visit, but it was kind of awesome. It was awesome. Time. I liked it.
0: Everybody was like a little punch drunk by the time oh, I yeah. was interviewing you at like 3 a.m. It was
2: l- 100%. <laughs> it was like Jamie and Kevin and I were like, Are we really doing a uh, poor Josh? He's gonna get like the half assed version of
0: us. <laughs> That's how I like it. Um, but wh- I, so what is the, the takeaway from that? We talked a lot, as, as you said, uh, during the, the process of that. That was such an important one, I know, for you mm-hmm. personally, and you really love that character. Um, Mick mixed emotions when you look back on it in terms of like – or do you feel like satisfied yeah, with mean, what you I, did or what?
2: I love the books. I love the character. Um, I was so excited to get to play her. I wanted to play her for numerous movies, um, but that's not how it panned out. And, you know, it's doing great as a TV show. And I, I think everyone who's who's involved in that is so passionate about it. So I'm so happy for them. Um But, yeah, I mean it, I was definitely – bummed when it didn't go further but I had such a great time on that set and I've made lifelong friends from that and you know I really I mean I got to play another literary heroine that everyone had opinions on yep. but you really get you learn how to kind of develop a thick skin when you're playing a character that everyone thinks they know and have ownership over kind of like Snow White sure. Um, but with this it was like the fandom is so passionate which was amazing because they're so um, dedicated to telling the story, but also everyone, you know, has their opinions. So you learn to really um, separate yourself as like, I'm going to do this as an actor. And I'm also a fan of the book, sure. you know, so you kind of have to figure yourself out in, in those terms, which taught me a lot. But no, I mean, I I had the best time. I really enjoyed that. But then again, you know, you think about. I was bummed when it didn't go further. But then, again, everything happens for a reason. You probably because, wouldn't have
0: done Rules Don't Apply, et yeah, cetera. I I, mean, there's
2: so many things that I wouldn't have been able to do because it would have gone on. But then had it gone on, it would have been great. you know. Right, right. So it's like you really have to just kind of take it as it comes.
0: So, so let's talk – bring a, a little bit more current and we're going to get into the 17 projects you've got going on right <laughs> now. But first I do want to talk about Rules Don't Apply because, um, I, you know, like everybody that's a grew up loving film uh, – and every Warren Beatty film is and was an event. And I, I had a, a great deal of affection for it and I'm sure that's a life-changing experience for you. Oh, you totally. You're always going to yeah. keep uh, – It's like
2: my year with Warren. Totally.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I mean this was like an infamous project that he he had been talking to actors about for at least a decade. Oh, like,
2: like longer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean crazy. It feels
0: like, like every actor in Hollywood had met with him and spent time with him. Yeah. Potentially t- uh, signing on or not, um, like how much did you spend? Almost like more time before the film, like getting to know Warren as much as on set. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not it's not a, a, a typical filmmaking experience. I think
2: Alden had about three years of it, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, I I had maybe six months of it, but um, originally when I met Warren, I wasn't even available for when they wanted to go, and then and then Mortal Instruments didn't happen. See. Right. So then so then I was I was available all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, there's kind of this like intro period where you just meet for lunch and you go to the house and meet Annette and the kids for dinner and you have meetings and you talk on the phone for hours and he just gets to really know you as you and then you start to talk about the project and there's just these kind of, it's very organic. Meanwhile, it's probably not totally organic. It's all very thought out in his head, very smartly. Um, But it was like rehearsing for a play, I guess, because we would go up, Alden and I would go to his house and there'd be you know, Albert Wolski for costumes in one room and you'd have hair and makeup in the other and we'd be talking to them about the character and then Alden and I would go rehearse and we'd be up there for like nine hours at his house every day or then during the the movie every weekend. So it really was this all immersive, inclusive experience, which is amazing in itself. It's overwhelming at times because it's just um, very period, like Ilya Kazan style, all immersive, you know, and you're living in L.A., where my friends are, but I can't go out with them because it's very isolated experience. Right. So I feel so much more um, more schooled on the film industry after that experience, and I have a deep, a new deep profound respect for movie making, um, and also choosing projects you know he always said to me Warren always said like you're defined more by the things you say no to which well, is what he's
0: infamous for that yeah I know
2: and that's what <laughs> ex- exactly and Kazana told him that and you know he he's just he's a he's a teacher he's a mentor so i gained a lot more from that than just a movie
0: did did you shoot like my sense is you shot like probably enough for two or three different versions of that film like was was the film that came out the film that you felt was in your head when you were shooting or were there were there kind of like different kind of
2: i think there were there, there were multiple different versions that we were shooting i mean warren's very specific on intention and as long as you're intention is pure in a scene, then it's going to go the way that it should go. And it might go 10 different ways. So I think he shot many different versions. Um, and I know that the editing process was super long, um, which he's known for. Uh, but that's kind of the genius behind the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think there were moments that surprised me in the edit. Um, but I also was allowed to see the the first edit to the end. So it, totally changed throughout the process which was super interesting to see but i think you know it's very multi-layered and there's a lot to be gotten from that film um and you could take it in so many different directions that if we hadn't filmed it the way that we had i think the comedy would have been very different but because it's very layered in this drama of the period as well it could have been a very, very dramatic movie, or there could have been moments of lightness. And I think it's a little kooky because Howard Hughes was kooky. Sure. So I think the edit makes you feel as though you're almost in his head.
0: Must have been also. Uh, at least you had kind of like Alden at your side to go through oh my this God, insanity, right? Yeah.
2: We both, we both relied on each other so much. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, and Matthew Roderick, The three of us were like the three amigos on nice. set. Like, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> have you been? I mean, I'm sure just as like a consumer of pop culture. Um, have you ever gone through an experience like what Alden is probably going through on Han Solo right now? Oh like- my
2: god, I'm so excited for him. Um, I think maybe a like to a one tenth degree when when we were doing Mortal Instruments. Yeah. Because you know, so many people would show up to our sets, and there was all this like excitement yeah. and secrecy about like the script and the images and what people would look like. But to no extent that he's going through. Um, and I'm so excited. For him, I think no one's more deserving, and he's so um, phenomenal as an actor, and he's just such a fun guy. So,
0: did I hear correctly? Were you one of those uh, uh, privileged that got to at least meet with JJ for Star Wars? Did you have? a, I a- didn't
2: meet with JJ. I did audition. I had fun auditioning for it, um, but God knows how well that went. <laughs>
0: did, it, did it feel at the time like it went okay? Or was yeah. It like, yeah.
2: Oh, it de- I mean, I, I felt, you know, I left the room being like, I think that was great. But then they're <laughs> like, we're going in a different direction. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> Is that like because you're just saying that or are you really going in a different direction?
0: <laughs> did you get to hold a lightsaber at least? Did I did to- not.
2: Oh. No. I think I might have pretended with, like, a fake prop or something. They're
0: but. making one of these a year for the next, like, 50 years. Right. You're going to get your shot. I'm shop.
2: definitely around and available. <laughs> okay, good to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so where to begin on, on the many projects here? I saw it to the bone. Uh, uh, an you exceptional piece Of course I did. Oh, amazing. Uh, an exceptional piece of work. Uh, Marty Noxon. Thank you. Uh, Love Marty. Uh, uh, people that don't know, I mean, her pedigree goes all all the way back to Buffy. Yeah. I think her first feature directing, though, in this This one, right? Yeah,
2: it is. It's her first feature.
0: So, uh, and and this is a subject matter that, like, I myself don't think I've seen really dealt with in this way in film. It's one of the kind of, like, the few, it seems like, taboo subjects left in pop culture, right? I think so, too,
2: and it's so interesting because I believe it's the first feature film done on eating disorders, Um, but it, it is so interesting that it hasn't been touched upon yet because it's becoming more and more prevalent in today's society and almost just less talked about I mean it's it's considered still quite taboo even though it's very um very prevalent uh with all ages and you know everybody but um it's exciting to be a part of something that is so personal as well and um I ironically wrote my chapter in my book about my experiences with eating disorders a week before I got the script. And again, it was the universe just kind of saying, maybe this is something that is really important for you to go through right now and to talk about and to join forces with someone who is older than you, but has gone through it like Marty. And maybe you can make this a conversation piece. Um, and it, it is that. It is definitely something that we hope promotes conversation and promotes a greater understanding um, for those maybe that aren't familiar with the issues. Um, but also it was so therapeutic for me to be surrounded by the facts and um, a character that— Yes has similar experiences to my own but is also very much a character that I could sure. experience, you know, it in a new way and come to a, maybe a greater understanding of my own experiences.
0: What are some misnomers you think about eating disorders that that, that for those lucky enough not to have been touched by this but other themselves or in, in their family or friends that you'd like to dissuade people of?
2: Um, well I think you know a lot of people say where where do you put the blame? Where can you pinpoint, you know, the main triggers or whatnot? Is it the fashion industry? Is it magazines? Is it TV? Is it and there is no one common um, finger to be pointed at. Sure. I mean it's it's there are so many experiences that are individual to the person and there are many reasons as to why um, eating disorders formulate. And I think it's just really important to realize that this movie is about a character and, and her story and you do see other people that she interacts with and in their stories but it's, it's a very individual experience and um, it's just, it's not shameful to ask for help and you're also not alone. I think as when I was going through it um, at the beginning, I thought, you know, I was the only one that could relate to this, that I was alone and that admitting to it was, you know, um, a weakness. Mm. And in fact, the more I started talking about it and opening up myself and writing the book, but also p- playing Ellen, the more people were like, Oh my God, me too. Or, Oh, I have, it's like, the, you know, less than six degrees of separation. It's like two degrees that sure. either they had experienced it or family members or friends. And the second that you open up and talk about it, it's actually more empowering than you would think.
0: Is it difficult for, I mean, obviously, you know, the entertainment industry specifically is is such an industry that it's, like, based on kind of validation. You know, mm-hmm. you put yourself out there. I mean, you know, I know you're big on social media. It's like you put a photo out there. How many likes do you get? What are the right. comments, et cetera? Um, does that reinforce in some weird way some of kind of like the, the, the baser negative thoughts? Or are you able to kind of separate um, that aspect from what you went through years ago?
2: Um... Well, I think in terms of like social media and stuff, um, you know, I was kind of not very active for a long time on social media because I wanted, I didn't want to do it because people were telling me it was good to do. Right. I wanted to make it work for me and be something I enjoyed. Um, and when I, when I started really being active on Instagram, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, a really empowering, supportive community of young women formed around my Instagram, which was the most amazing gift to be given um, because before they even knew about any of my association with these issues or struggles um, they were just so supportive of empowerment and using our voices and everything that I've stood for since I was in like peer support programs in high school and so for me I never was using social media as a platform to get more likes or to, you know, read comments because it just, it never was anything but kind of supportive. Mm -hmm. And I know that's maybe a very rare experience (laughs) on social media. Um, I'm also very much aware of everything from cyberbullying to, you know, the more negative sides. And that's why I'm very outspoken at events like We Day and, you know, teen empowerment stuff. Um, But I think I, you know, my, my issues started when I was in high school and Social media wasn't a thing back then. I think it might be a different, a different thing now, but I'm of a generation that kind of existed before social media, which is weird to say. You know, I remember getting a cell phone and it was a flip phone. So I still feel like I, I'm of a generation that can say, you know, before this existed. Um, but it's very different today, which is, I think, even more of a reason why it's important to have this movie come out at a time when it it is, it is so... Um, everything is so instantaneous and in your face. And, you know, with social media, everyone portrays, everyone can portray or filter their curation of photos to look a specific way. And yes. people want to reach or attain that perfection, but perfection doesn't exist. And I think it's it's also cool when people come out and say, oh, well, these pictures were all filtered anyway, you know. So yeah. like when, you know, there, there were those people that, went and took every photo that they had ever done and explained how many shots they had taken before getting the perfect selfie. I think people are finally realizing, well, you know, there is a curation involved in some of these what seems to be perfect accounts or whatnot.
0: Uh, On a uh, much more trivial note, you've got... um, Keanu Reeves in this film.
2: I mean, playing my doctor.
0: Who uh, my wife would leave me in a long standing obsession. Um, And I I know from experience he's like one of the nicest human beings on the planet. So nice. So zen. He's on a different plane than all of us. Come on.
2: He was amazing to have on set. All the women were like, God, Keanu was so zen. (laughs) He like, because, you know, in in the sequences with all the women in mm. therapy and he's just there to calm everyone down and he actually really was just trying to understand everyone. He's like, okay, let's just all take a deep breath. And it was great energy on set. And he's like he was so nurturing. He was really concerned, you know, with the subject matter obviously, but also as all of us in the movie. He just really was always so attentive and wanted yeah. to make sure I was okay and he's so lovely.
0: An empathetic guy.
2: Empathetic. And can also kick ass. So he's great to have on your side.
0: The perfect guy. Yeah. Um how best to describe something like Okjo, which I've also seen and I also love. <laughs> so, uh, different. <laughs> so different. Um, so <laughs> different.
2: Both involving food <laughs> or <exactly>. lack thereof.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, Bong Joon-ho, an amazing uh, oh my God. filmmaker. This is the one that you travel the world uh, for. You kind of play a bit of an anarchist uh, rebel yeah. uh, fighting the um, – well, you do. You, 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 you yeah, probably are no, trained. Yeah, I play an animal
2: liberation fighter. Um, uh an ALF member with four guys headed by Paul Dano. And we are going on this journey from South Korea to New York, joining this young girl, Mija, in search of her pig, Okja, to save Okja from its, you know,
0: eventual dem- eventual potential, de- demise. De- <laughs> potential demise
2: by <laughs> Tilda Swinton and her, you know, corporation that is genetically modifying pigs in order to feed people. Um <laughs> What a another what one a what a movie! Oh. It's just another one of those movies. Um, and you know, you got Jake Gyllenhaal playing this crazy animal whisperer. Oh, he goes uh, for it. Host, he goes. For, I mean, <laughs> everyone in this movie is playing such a character, but that's what Bong does. You know, director Bong is um, kind of a curator or a master of character uh, characters, not caricatures, but characters. And I think he is able to so brilliantly tell a story. Um, in a very visual way, but also it's so multi-layered that you kind of leave going, was this an anti-corporate America movie? Was it a nutritional movie? Was it a pro-environmental? And it's all these things. It's, it's, It's about innocence lost. It's about love. It's about friendship. I mean, there's so many things there. And also it's funny and it's satirical. And it's, a clashing of cultures movie, which is what we kind of felt shooting in South Korea as this like motley crew of Americans and Australians and British. We all kind of came into the situation like, What are we doing here and is this going to work? And that's exactly how we are in the movie. You know, it all kind of mirrored.
0: Did you get to spend – I can't remember. Did you get to spend much time with Tilda at all? I mean speaking – she's like in the Keanu like uh, realm of kind of like another plane of existence. (sighs) She's
2: just – she's the best. I actually have spent way more time with her during the press. Oh, it can? Yeah. I mean I never shot with her. We were in sequences together but the way that director Bong shoots, sometimes you'll never actually interact with the other actors but the like you'll shoot – your portion of a scene and they'll shoot the other portion another day. Oh, really? And sometimes, uh, actually, it's very rare that you shoot a scene from start to finish. It's just the way that he shoots. It's very interesting. Um, But I basically met Tilda in New York City on the sidewalk by a trash can one day. And I just said, oh, my God, hi. I'm playing red because I had bright red hair. She's like, I know. (laughs) Um, And then the next time I saw her was a can. I mean, literally so strange, and I've spent so much time with her promoting it, and I think she's the most amazing woman, Um, but we didn't actually film together.
0: So we've talked about a couple of these, like, cool actors and very different kinds of filmmakers. Are you the kind of actor that, like, do you have, like, uh, a a kind of experience, a kind of director, a specific director? Like, what are the kind of the, you know, if not specific roles, kind of experiences you're going after? Okay.
2: I would love to do a British period drama, and Joe Wright, like, has it nailed, obviously. Um, Tim Burton, I oh, think you need is to be the Tim I Burton would movie. love to be and I was devastated um when I did not get to play Alice in Wonderland, I must say. <sighs> I was just that movie was so amazing, and I remember <laughs> auditioning for that. I was very green when I auditioned for that. Believe me.
0: Were you in the room with Tim? Or was I that? was not. No, okay.
2: I was with his amazing, brilliant casting director in London, and thought it was it was a really cool moment to even get the opportunity to audition. But I just thought Tim Burton, my
0: God, what my was amazing. the Tim Burton with Edward's hands? What's your favorite? You oh, a...
2: I mean, yeah, Edward hands is amazing. But I mean, all of his films are so visually stunning and just amazing to watch. It's like people watching. I mean, it is people watching. But, like, as an actor to analyze all the different characters, it's just fascinating. And the way that he... Tells stories in such that visual way is it's he's a genius all on its own. Wait, wait.
0: Beetlejuice Two. Okay, we bring back. We know that that's true. That Winona's gonna be back. This is true. So I feel like you could be a re- relation to <laughs> Winona, <laughs> Lydia's w- niece, Lydia's daughter. I would
2: love that. <laughs> um, I mean, Beetlejuice One was amazing. <laughs> let alone Beetlejuice Two. Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, I I I also like love Paul Feig. Yeah, love a good because, comedy. Of course. And Paul is is a lovely person. We I've spent some time with him and he's hilarious and so wonderful. And so I would love to do a comedy. I, I there's so many different types of films that I would love to do, and I've never wanted to, you know, be pigeonholed. And so I love to just kind of keep switching it up and trying new things. And um of course there are those directors also that if they were to call, you would never say no. You would never <laughs> say I'm busy.
0: It's the Tarantinos, P.T. Andersons, all that kind of, I mean, that's that. Oh my God. Cones, uh, Wes
2: Anderson would be fun too.
0: Yeah. If your name is Anderson, basically.
2: Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean like, you know, if Martin Scorsese were to like, That's right. like, fine. Whatever. That would be like, Woody Allen. No big deal. Woody
0: Allen. I know. What, um, what were the, the the films that you were obsessed with as a kid? What was...
2: The Breakfast Club, John yeah. Hughes, any of the John Hughes films. Um, Pride and Prejudice with Keir Knightley. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Any of the Harry Potters, let's just be real. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to geek out. Um, Funny Face and Sabrina with um, Audrey Hepburn. All of the Road 2s with Bob Hope. I was like when I moved to to L.A. Oh, my God. Yes. My mom and I like would watch all of those and, like, Nick at Night, we'd just binge watch.
0: Did you watch uh, Ishtar? That's kind of like a a, yes. a, 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 uh, <laughs> a descendant of Rhodes, Morocco, Oh, my God,
2: of course. How could I not? Highly
0: underrated film.
2: <laughs> highly, highly underrated. <laughs> um, my, my, my movie watching kind of spanned from, like, Monty Python because of, you know, British and my dad loved it to literally like, you know, the Harry Potters or, I mean, I, I loved Clueless when I was, you know, and sure. I remember like the first time I ever watched that at a sleepover, I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade and I was like, oh, wait, what is this? And then I was like, Greece? What's <laughs> Greece? Oh my God, I'm obsessed <laughs> with Greece now. um So yeah, my, my movie watching has just spanned all over the place. Did you,
0: were you into, I liked Fantastic Beasts. Did you like the, yeah,
2: uh, well, I love Eddie. Yeah, I've known Eddie yeah, for like so. over 10 years yeah. and um, I anything Harry Potter related, anything he do, he does and anything JK is involved with. By the way, I think today celebrates like 20 the 20 year. years mm-hmm. since the first Harry Potter book. I remember – Were in
0: on that from the start? Oh
2: my God, was <laughs> I, I? My mom would – we would be in stores shopping and I would be in the corner underneath some like storefront just reading the books. <laughs> I, I just – I was the, I, the biggest fan. Still am. Um, yeah, but there, I can't is, believe it was 20 years ago. Is there
0: a human being that's like more influenced the generation of kids and in, in such a positive, oh amazing way than Jake? I
2: don't know. <laughs> I remember when she was at Edinburgh at the castle reading the first chapter of book three or something. I was in London with my mom and I made her go back from dinner to the hotel room to turn it on TV just to watch it because I was like had to be one of the first to hear it out loud <laughs> or like going to the day the books came out in stores and like dressing up and like being in line.
0: Did you daydream of being Hermione? Was that like I,
2: a- That is one of the greatest regrets that I didn't get to audition for Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I, 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 of course, I crimped my hair like her. <laughs> I mean, it was all about Hermione.
0: I did see you followed in Emma's Footsteps and Hiding the Books in the Subway thing yeah, recently. Yeah,
2: that was cool. That That's, was I really loved when she did that. I thought it was a really amazing way to kind of integrate um, whatever book, obviously, you're promoting, but just reading and sharing and the idea of – a library still existing, you know, not yeah. everything being digital. Um, that was really fun.
0: Uh, and last thing before I wa- let you go, we should mention uh, Last Tycoon as well. Yes. Yeah, oh, God. Uh, another thing. Oh, my God. So much going on. <laughs> uh, another uh, one of my Based favorite, on a book. <laughs> and, and, another one, and another one of my favorite people, Matt Bomer. Oh, I, mean,
2: I mean, what an angel. I'm obsessed with Matt.
0: I mean, who isn't? Anybody he's that meets amazing. Matt. First of all, he's like the human Ken doll. I mean, he's he like He literally little, is so absurd. attractive.
2: And he really is I mean, I know I said Keanu's zen, but Matt is one of the most, like, calm, cool, and collected human beings. And what an awesome person to be first on the call sheet for a show, by the way, because it sets the tone for everybody. And he is, I mean, he's totally Monroe star in this.
0: And you shot season one of this one? Season
2: one, done. Nine episodes. Um, Got to shoot it, like, 15 minutes from my house. Very convenient. (laughs) Most amazing hair, makeup, and wardrobe the production design the scripts everything about it is um is so wonderful and you know it's it's the golden age of hollywood it's not really been shown in this way and also the great thing about being on amazon is that you can really go there and so we're not really you know we it's not edited right. in terms of what you can tell and Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald passed away during the writing of it. So it really allowed us to take it and run and to elaborate on these characters. And playing Celia Brady is so fun because she's this young woman who's so driven to be in the industry and her dad's obviously the studio head and he's like kind of discouraging her, but she really wants to fight for her own kind of journey and step outside the shadow and really do her own thing. And she gets into some crazy situations that I don't think a lot of people would associate with. Being things that happened in the 30s, right. which is really exciting, because so I'm like that happened in the 30s. They're like it was very hush hush, but we're like making it really not hush hush, which is great.
0: Amazing. So yeah. okay, so those 17 projects, and do you have a break yeah. now, or do you know what you're shooting next?
2: Um, I don't know what I'm shooting next. Um, I'm really hoping that we get to do, you know, go further with Tycoon, but I'm not sure when that's going. But right now, it's all focusing on the press of getting it all the good word and out and getting the good word out. And there's some exciting things. Um, on the horizon, I just don't know exactly timing, which is actually okay. I'm yeah. learning to like. I'm learning being to be okay like, with downtown. It's okay. Yeah. By the way, can't wait for a vacation. I'm like whenever that comes <laughs> will be great. But um, I'm just really excited and thankful that it's all coming together and you know you just take it as it comes within this industry and you ne- just never know
0: and then uh, around the corner I mean you're gonna be on a, a Vancouver set doing Beetlejuice 2 it's I mean- gonna be amazing I can't
2: <laughs> putting out the vibes <laughs> I am just
0: I just want you in it for no other reason that I know I'll get an invite hopefully oh
2: you will 100% get an invite okay
0: I just wanna put that I out mean, there I
2: mean always <laughs> hopefully not at 3am <laughs>
0: anytime anytime whatever it takes uh, congratulations Thank on you. all the films uh, to the bone everybody should check out on Netflix wait let me see if I get this right yeah. Yes. Uh, Netflix for To The Bone. Okja on uh, uh, on Netflix as well. Yes. Last Tycoon on Amazon. Yes. And while you're on Amazon, pick up a book, guys. I
2: mean, stream queen. <laughs> Got my bases covered. Oh,
0: man, queen of all media. Oh, God. Uh, Lily Collins, good to see you, buddy.
2: So good to see you, too. <laughs> and so ends another edition of Happy, Sad,
0: Confused.
2: Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh.
1: (laughs) This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovich for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on Apple Podcasts,
2: Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.